Yo, what is going on, everyone? My name is Nick, or The Notorious Fantasy, and in today's video, we're going to be talking about my week three tight end start or sit decisions for the 2023 fantasy football season. Inside today's video, we're going to be going in depth into every single matchup at the tight end position from Thursday night football all the way up until the doubleheader on Monday night, and I'm going to tell you guys whether I believe that you should start or sit the tight ends in all of those games. But before we could get into things, I would like to ask that if you guys are new to the channel and you do end up enjoying today's Today's video that you please make sure to hit that subscribe button down below while you're down there whether you are new to the channel or not please make sure to leave a like on today's video it would help me out a ton if you want to follow me on twitter or x please do so at notorious fntsy and if you'd like access to my weekly rankings as well as an answer to any question you may have check out the patreon link in the video description or the pinned comment for seven dollars and fifty cents a month so without further ado let's get into my week number three tight end start or sit decisions we begin with Thursday Night Football, the New York Football Giants at the San Francisco 49ers. Now, in week number one, Darren Waller, as well as the whole Giants offense, was a complete and utter disaster, but we did see Waller, as well as the offense, bounce back in a big way in week number two up against the Cardinals. Obviously, in that second half, basically everything changed. They looked like an offense that was completely inept, turning into an offense that can move the ball at a pretty solid pace. Now, they're going to be without Saquon Barkley in this game, and I do think that this game might get ugly where the 49ers end up Cleveland steamering all over the Giants but ultimately Darren Waller is a must start tight end for me every single week he is a large piece of this offense and without Saquon Barkley he might get an even bigger piece of the pie for George Kittle he has had two games outside the top 24 at the tight end position but we do know that George Kittle is an incredibly boom or bust player right he's gonna have those down games where he's out there laying pancakes down like he works at IHOP and then there's going to be games where he goes out there and he drops a deuce on the chest of your opponent. So George Kittle is a must-start tight end every single week. Again, I get that it might be frustrating that a lot of the times he isn't really doing the best, but... The reason why you drafted him is because you knew he has those huge games inside of him, and it might come this week up against a not-so-hot Giants defense on prime time. Moving to the Sunday slate, beginning with the Indianapolis Colts at the Baltimore Ravens. Mark Andrews obviously missed in week number one, but in week two, he was the tight end number three in his return game. He is a must-start tight end every single week. Now, this game might end up getting out of hand if Anthony Richardson isn't able to play right now. As we are sitting on Wednesday, it does seem like Anthony Richardson might not end up playing. Again, I'm not saying that is a 100% chance, but he wasn't practicing yet again today. So as we get deeper and deeper into the week, the panic will set in for me personally on Anthony Richardson. Again, I don't really think Gardner Minshew is some garbage quarterback bottom of the barrel, but for this to really be a tit-for-tat high-scoring affair where Mark Andrews scores three touchdowns, right, has the best game potentially of his career you probably need the Colts to fight back and for the Baltimore Ravens not to just dig the grave for the Colts before the second half even begins. Kyle Granson or Kylan Granson for the Indianapolis Colts has actually had top 14 tight end finish in the past two weeks. So back-to-back weeks as a top 14 tight end. So this guy might end up being sneaky good going forward, but up against the Ravens defense, I would rather sit him, especially since Anthony Richardson might 
might end up missing this game. Next up, we move to the Atlanta Thons at the Cleveland Browns. The Tennessee Titans offense looked pretty solid last week up against the LA Chargers. Ryan Tannehill played incredibly well, but ultimately, it just feels like Chig needs a touchdown in order to be relevant for the Titans, right? Tight end 24 last week. I do really believe that Chig is a very talented player, right? I think if you didn't have DeAndre Hopkins, Burks, these guys that are touchdown hogs on the team, as well as Derrick Henry, Tractor Cito, one of the best running backs in the NFL, then Chig might be able to flourish in this system. But against the Browns defense, especially, I would rather leave Chig Akankuwu on my bench. David Njoku hasn't done shit all season. But, and this is a big but, Titans defense is an absolute pass funnel. Up against the run, they actually look pretty strong out there, right? They can stop the run. I'm not too sure if they're going to be able to stop Jerome Ford, but they have looked good up against the run through the first two games of the season. But up against the pass, they are down bad. They are getting bent over a table. Now, Deshaun Watson did not look good in week number two. In the first game of the season, things were looking bright for Deshaun Watson, right? He definitely didn't look as shit as he did last season. He didn't look like the MVP of the league, like he potentially could have been in the past in Houston, but he looked good. Last week, he fell off the edge of the earth against the Steelers, but maybe it's just that the Steelers' defense is that good, and Deshaun Watson bounces back here. Again, this is a pass-funnel defense. This defense is atrocious. Bottom of the barrel up against the pass, so I'm not ready to quit on David, the Chief Ninjoku, just yet. Moving next to the Atlanta Falcons at the Detroit Lions. Now, Kyle Pitts wasn't good last week, But the Falcons actually threw the ball, right? Week one, they just ran a train. The Atlanta Falcons were run, run, run the ball gently down the stream. Now, week two, they still ran the ball a lot, but they actually threw the ball over 30 times. Pitts still didn't do much, but if the Falcons actually shift and pivot to a team that throws the ball more than 18 times a fucking game, then maybe Kyle Pitts could have a feast like Ezekiel Elliott on Thanksgiving. So I think that Kyle Pitts could be a must-start guy weekly if Desmond Ritter and Arthur Smith and this offense commit to throwing the ball more. I'm still starting him, but if I'm being honest with you, I was kind of confident going into the season, right? Kyle Pitts kept falling down draft boards. It was like, you know what? If he comes off the board in the eighth round, you might as well just fucking take him, right? He is one of the best tight end prospects of all time coming out of Florida, the Gators, right? He looked really good in his rookie year. had a down sophomore season, but I thought his junior year was going to be incredible. They just don't throw the ball enough. But again, there are so many bad options at tight end, right? There are so many tight ends that are even listed as a start in today's video that are nowhere near the skill of Kyle Pitts, right? They can't even hold the guy's jock strap. So if for once they just commit to throwing the ball six times to Kyle Pitts, we might be incredibly happy for fantasy football. And this game reeks of a high scoring tit for tat, rock'em, sock'em, robots affair up against the Lions, which would lead to a more pass heavy attack from the Falcons. Sam Laporta has been a top eight tight end in back to back Michael Jordan 96 97 weeks. I talked him up a bunch in the offseason. I was banging the drum aggressively for him. There was a lot of positive reports out of even rookie camp about how Sam Laporta doesn't even look like a rookie tight end, right? This is his rookie year, but he's out there absolutely thrashing the defense. And I think that going forward, Sam Laporta has entered must-start category. He's really looked that good. 
and I'm rolling him out here up against the Falcons defense that I've noted all week is a sneaky good defense. Again, not amazing, but sneaky good. A lot of people just think of the Falcons defense, and they think that they're dog shit, and they're really not. Next up, we got the New Orleans Saints at the Green Bay Packers. Now, Jawan Johnson is a very talented NFL tight end. I think if he was given the correct usage, the correct workload, then Jawan Johnson would be a start-worthy tight end week in and week out. But for some reason, the New Orleans Saints continue to use Taysom Hill. I've made this joke even last year that it seems like Taysom Hill has some sort of fucking blackmail on the coaches or the higher-ups of the New Orleans Saints organization because there is no reason for Taysom Hill to be throwing and being targeted as much as he is on this Saints offense. You add the Taysom Hill confusion in with the fact that the Saints offense... You can smell them through the screen. They reek. It is not very good over there in New Orleans. And I don't think it's going to really have a strong bounce back. They looked all right week one, down week two, up against the Packers defense. The Packers defense is really solid. So for now, I have to sit Jawan Johnson. Now, maybe when Kamara comes back very, very soon, this offense gets whipped back into shape, right? This offense turns, does a full 180, looks a lot better. Maybe that is the case, right? Because the running attack of the Saints has been about as effective as using a candy bar wrapper as a condom. But at the end of the day, right now, push comes to shove week three up against the Cheeseheads in Lambeau Field. I am sitting Jawan Johnson down on the bench. For the Packers, Luke Musgrave continues to see a lot of snaps. Like his name was fucking Thanos. It appears that Luke Musgrave is the clear tight end one on the team. Jordan Love has thrown three touchdowns in two straight performances. This matchup isn't the best against the Saints. I don't really expect Luke Musgrave to have his best performance yet. I don't think this will be some sort of breakout game where he just shoves two touchdowns down the throat of the Saints. But could he get one touchdown, his first NFL touchdown, up against the Saints with how good that Jordan love me tender, love me sweet has looked? I think so. And we still have... Zero idea if Luke Musgrave or Aaron Jones are going to end up playing on Sunday. And with how bad A.J. Dillon quadzilla looks, we might see a whole lot of passing in this spot up against the Saints. Next up, we got the Houston Texans at the Jacksonville Jaguars. But before we break this game down, I would like to ask that if you are new to the channel and you do end up enjoying today's video, that you please make sure to hit that subscribe button down below. And while you're down there, whether you are new to the channel or not, please make sure you leave a like on today's video. It would help me out a ton. If you want to follow me on Twitter, at NotoriousFNTSY. So Texans at Jaguars. Interesting enough, while... If you don't have Evan Ingram on your team, you probably didn't know that Evan Ingram has been really solid in both of his starts of the season. Top six tight end in back-to-back -back weeks. You, at this point, just fire him up with confidence. Now, I know last year there was some ups, there was some downs, but we're seeing a lot of consistency out of Evan Ingram, even with the woes of the wide receivers, right? Ridley's the clear number one, but we don't know weekly. Is it Zay Jones or is it Christian Kirk? Seems like Evan Ingram is a mainstay piece in this offense. He is very good in the red zone. He finally, last year, was able to cure his case of the dropsies, butterfingers, that he had for a majority of his career as a New York football giant. But Evan Ingram has been reinvigorated. He has seen the light in Jacksonville. And I think Evan Ingram is just a must-start tight end week in and week out. And that Texans defense... 
pretty pretty spotty so I think Evan Ingram's going to be in for a huge game now Dalton Schultz is going to be a sit now he did get more looks last week compared to week one but and this is a big butt shout out to Angela White Nico Collins and Tank Dell both look good. I think Nico Collins is going to be a consistent piece in this offense. They also have Bobby Trees, who has been sucking in targets like his name was Kirby. So while I think that Schultz is actually a great tight end, or at least a good tight end in the NFL, right? Dalton Schultz, if you're just thinking like skill set, I would say he's a top 12 tight end in terms of skills in the National Football League. The problem is he's kind of been thrown into the cuck chair by... Nico Collins tanked out these other pieces in the offense. So he isn't going to really get a high target share. Now, any given game, he could score a touchdown, right? This Texans-Jags game, Jaguars defense isn't the best. And while I do like the Jaguars defense in fantasy, because I think they're going to get a lot of sacks, because the Texans' offensive line is absolute dog shit, Schultz eventually could turn into a start-worthy option, especially with how good C.J. Stroud has looked. But right now... With how good Nico Collins has been doing, I just feel like you shouldn't be starting Dalton Schultz. Next up, we move to the Denver Broncos at my Miami Dolphins in Miami for the tight end position. The Dolphins just simply aren't a team that uses a tight end in a strong fashion. Now, Mythe, as well as the other tight ends they use, are out there, but their main goal is to block, right? It's the Kyle Shanahan system. It's why we see George Kittle put up some snoozers like his name is Snorlax a lot of weeks and then have those big games once he finally gets his usage, right? They love to use the tight ends to block, and that's the Mike McDaniel system as well. Now, if Waddle doesn't play, we could end up seeing more Durham Smythe in this game. But again, with how much they use the tight ends in terms of pass catching, I think you're better off staying away from Durham Smythe. Adam Troutman was a guy that I tried to sneak into DFS lineups last week, right? He was the stone minimum on DraftKings last week. I was like, all right. Russell Wilson, interesting matchup. That could be a higher scoring game between them and the Commanders. I'm going to do it. Now, in redraft, I would never have played Adam fucking Troutman, the fish man himself. But in DFS, I was like, you know what? You got to go for broke to win a lot of the time. So I'm going to go crazy and go with Adam Troutman. And he put up a grand total of, drum roll please, zero points. Goose egg up against the left hands up. Who are we, the Commanders? So... I do think that this is a back-down-to-earth game for the Broncos. The Broncos were just ejaculating points up against the Commanders. I don't really think that happens up against the Dolphins' defense. And Adam Troutman is best left on your bench. Next up, we got the Los Angeles Chargers at the Cold Lock Minnesota Vikings. Now, this is a game that I've talked about all week long. Running backs, wide receivers, tight ends as a game. Quarterbacks where, I guess tight ends just now, but where this is going to be a high scoring affair. One of those where you're basically playing a fighting game on your Xbox and you're not allowed to block, right? Rock'em, sock'em, robots, just bam, 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 uppercut, jab, hook, cross, everything coming at both teams, right? And that's going to be very exciting to watch. And I think that could help out the tight ends in this matchup if this really is just a no defense game. The Chargers defense did wake up a little bit up against the Tennessee Titans, but 
Vikings defense doesn't look bueno. No bueno for the Vikings. Uh, Hawkinson, top three tight ends in both games. Now, I did somewhat shit on t- uh, TJ Hawkinson in the offseason talking about how I don't really think he has that upside to really have that huge week-winning game to do it a bunch of times on the season. Now, he's already done it once, so maybe I was wrong. I don't think, though, if anyone watched my videos in the offseason, the takeaway would have been not to draft TJ Hawkinson. It was more of just like... I don't love Hawkinson where he was going, but if you took him, I wouldn't think you were a dumbass. So I guess I was kind of wrong on Hawkinson, but not necessarily. I still took him on a bunch of my best ball teams. So top three tight end in both games. Again, I really do believe this is going to be a high-scoring tit-for-tat affair, which could lead to Hawkinson being the tight end number one ahead of Kelsey on the Iron Throne as the tight end number one. Gerald Everett has yet to see over three targets on the season the upside here lies with a touchdown again i do believe this is going to be a higher scoring game and maybe everett finds pay dirt in this spot next up we move to the new england deflatriots at the new york jumbo jets but before we break this game down at the tight end position i would like to give you guys a quick word for our friends and our sponsor over at underdog fantasy underdog fantasy is the best place to play pick'em in the nfl in the whole entire universe and underdog fantasy has a great offer for you whether you are new to underdog fantasy or not you can take advantage of this they have on thursday night football giants at the 49ers daniel jones higher than half of a total yard as long as he gets half of a total yard which is just one yard right very simple and then you can mix that with any other pick'em selection here so right now all they got up for thursday night football i'm recording this on Monday night, so not everything is out yet. We can go with higher Brock Purdy than 229.5 passing yards. If those two hit, you will get three times your entry fee if you want to add some more pieces to this pick them. If you add three pieces, it's six times, four is 10 times, and five is 20 times your entry fee. If you are new to Underdog Fantasy and you are in one of these states that are on your screen right now, use promo code NOTORIOUS for a first match deposit bonus of up to $100. If you deposit $100, they'll give you an additional $100. If you do 50 additional 50 25 additional 25 minimum deposit on underdog fantasy is ten dollars if you have a gambling problem please make sure that you call 1-800-GAMBLER back on into things the new england patriots at the jumbo jets hunter henry has been a top two tight end in both games tight end one in week one i believe tight end two last week with five plus receptions a game, over 50 yards a game, and a touchdown every single game. Now, on paper, if you want to be some type of math fucking nerd, the Jets defense isn't necessarily the best matchup for a tight end. But it's very clear Mystic Mac Jones, quarterback of the Patriots, wants to feed Hunter Henry. So again, while I wasn't a huge Hunter Henry guy in the offseason, I don't think anyone outside of maybe Patriots fans were. Very evident that he is here to stay. Dominant first two games. Is he guaranteed to be a top two tight end this week? Of course not, but should probably finish inside the top five, top six. Tyler Conklin did look really good in week two up against the Cowboys, but frankly, I don't want to trust any Jet. Now again, I'll tell you to start Brees Hall. I'll tell you to start Garrett Wilson, but do I trust them? Fuck no, baby. So when you have an ancillary piece to the offense like Tyler Conklin, he is better left on your bench, especially up against a solid Patriots defense. Next up, we move to another AFC East game here. Not both teams in the AFC East. We got an AFC East versus an NFC East team. The no one circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills one and one at the Washington left hands up. Who are we? The commanders who are two 
And, oh, I am going to be starting Dalton Kincaid in this game. He has yet to score a touchdown. Dawson Knox one time, if you are with me, scored the touchdown last week. But he does feel like a fine option in this game. This game might be sneaky high scoring. Dalton Kincaid does appear to be a big piece of the game plan for the Buffalo Bills. Well, I have him ranked inside the top 12. Maybe, maybe not. But he's still a top tight end option at the position. Again, I do think it is going to be annoying when Knox does a lot of the, or not when Knox does a lot of the work, when Kikade's doing a lot of the work, and then Knox luck boxes, hits the mystery box, and he opens up the fucking ray gun, the touchdown. It's going to be frustrating, but at the end of the day, we just want to start Dalton Kincaid because Knox truly needs that touchdown. Logan Thomas is in the concussion protocol. I assume he will miss. That injury looked incredibly serious he was able to get up obviously which was promising but it feels like the nfl nowadays doesn't want to fuck around with the concussions after what happened last year so yeah to me it's safe to assume that logan thomas misses now i get that that might be a little bit maybe biased because i do think anthony richardson has a chance to play but what happened to Logan Thomas was very bad, right? He was on the ground, wasn't moving for a while. They went to commercial bank break. They come back, he's still down. Very scary. Hoping the best for Logan Thomas, who looked like a decent tight end this season. Logan Thomas has been a top 12 tight end in both games. So when he returns, he might be a, a sneaky, sneaky tight end waiver wire ad. Cole Turner did look good in preseason in training camp action. There was some hype from the beat reporters in Washington about Cole Turner, but at the end of the day here, I'm just going to leave him riding the pine. Next up, we got the Panthers at the Seahawks, and this game is going to be incredibly simple to talk about at the tight end position. Noah Fant is a good NFL tight end. Now, in Denver, a lot of people like to give him the Gawk Gawk 9000. They like to slurp all over his cob, like, or all over his knob, like it was fucking corn on the cob. But now he's in Seattle, and Seattle uses Noah Fant. Will Disley, and Kobe Parkinson every single week. Like, Fant might get two targets. Disley gets two targets. Parkinson gets two targets. Geno Smith is dealing the rock to tight ends like fucking Oprah. You get a target. You get a target. You all get a target. And it makes it basically impossible to start any of these guys. It would legitimately take for Fant to be start-worthy, even if the Seattle Seahawks offense continues to look really solid. It would take Disley and Parkinson getting hurt or getting cut for Fant to be fantasy relevant. Now, he's going to have some good games. Like, he looked good last week. But in order for you to actually feel an ounce of confidence in playing Noah Fant, the other tight ends being there makes that virtually impossible. Hayden Hurst, uh, week one was a liar. Panthers as a whole looked downright atrocious up against the Saints. Now, Hurst could bounce back against a not-so-hot Seattle defense. But I'm going to be honest with you, it's kind of just like we talked about before with the Jets, the Jumbo Jets. Conklin looks good. I think Hayden Hurst is a decent tight end, but I don't want to trust anyone on the Panthers just yet. Do Am I fully out on Bryce Young? No. No, I'm not. I think Bryce Young's going to end up being a young whippersnapper, a great, tight, or a great quarterback at the NFL level. But Right now, three weeks into the fucking season, I mean, we haven't really seen too much. Next up, we got the Dallas Cowboys at the Arizona Cardinals. Zach Ertz has been a top 12 tight end so far this season. 
Uh, they still do use Trey McBrad on the offense, but let's be honest, Zach Ertz is now just must start. He's done it two weeks in a row. You don't want to overthink things. I get Zach Ertz is as old as fucking Fred Flintstone, but at this point, even against a stout Cowboys defense, I'm going to play Zach Ertz because I feel like the targets are going to be there for him. Jake Ferguson, volume has not been the issue. Just like Ertz gets a bunch of targets. But the problem is the yards have been an issue. He has gotten 11 yards in week one and then 11 yards in week two. Quick math, that's 22 yards on the season. But he scored last week. Got that touchdown. So that was good. Makes him fantasy relevant. The Cardinals defense is terrible. So Ferguson should be fine. But in order for me to feel like, hey, I feel confident listing Ferguson as a start week in and week out, he's got to get more yards. Again, the targets are there. He just needs to turn them into more than 11 yards every single game. But even if he gets 11 yards and a touchdown against the Cardinals, you are going to be very, very happy. Next up, we move to the Chicago, Chicago Bears at the Kansas City Chiefs. And Justin Fields in his press conference today basically just aired it out on the Bears coaches. He basically put all the blame on the coaches and not a lot of blame on himself. Trouble in paradise in Chicago. But then later comes out and says, ah, I kind of want to retract what I said. It's not the coach's fault. It's my fault. This, that, and the other thing. Well, Justin Fields, you suck. Uh, you, you haven't looked good this season now. That was more of a joke because I actually think Justin Fields is pretty good. But it's true. Justin Fields hasn't been good this season. He's taking far too long in the pocket when his offensive line's a sieve. He needs to get the ball out quicker or roll out. What he did so good last season was rolling out, making off-script plays, throwing the rock on the run, running the ball, and he could run for like a 99-fucking-yard touchdown. This guy is an incredible athlete, but if he keeps trying to sit in the pocket and play like Patrick fucking Mahomes, who's on the other side of the ball, you might not have a job in 2024, buddy, or you're definitely not going to be the starting quarterback of the Bears because if you keep this shit up, up, the Bears might end up drafting Caleb Williams, number one overall. As we are sitting right now, because the Bears have the first round pick of the Panthers, the Bears have the first and second overall pick in the 2023 or 2024 NFL draft. So all of that said, uh, Cole Komet has been seeing a solid amount of targets weekly with six plus, but the problem is the Bears just can't score. Fields looks bad, like I talked about. So Maybe brighter days ahead for Komet and this Bears offense. Maybe this is the game where they get it back on the saddle, right? Justin Fields realizes he needs to stop playing like he's some pocket passer like Aaron Rodgers and run the ball some more, and maybe this Bears offense gets better, and they will get better if that is the case. Travis Kelsey, obviously, I don't need to give this guy the Gawk Gawk 9000. Taylor Swift's already doing that. We already know that you got to start Travis Kelsey every single week, and this is an added bonus of a cupcake soft serve matchup. Next up, we got the Sunday night football matchup of the Pittsburgh Steelers at the Los Vegas Raiders. Pat Fryermuth has a grand total of five yards through two games. Five yards through two games. That motherfucker has five more yards than all of us, and we're sitting on the couch watching the games. Now, again, this isn't to be a dig at Pat Fryermuth, because I think Fryermuth is a good tight end. I really do. But he is at the mercy of Pickett. And Kenny Pickett, Matt Canada, oh Canada, they need to figure it out, eh? Matt Canada, figure it out, pal. Because this offense shouldn't look this bad. 
Michael Mayer of the Raiders hasn't gotten any targets. One on the season, I guess. Unless Jimmy Garoppolo has, like, fucking Gronk or Kittle to throw to. He just doesn't throw the ball to the tight ends. Next up here, we got the first of a doubleheader on Monday Night Football. The Philadelphia Eagles at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Start Dallas Goddard. He bounced back after a goose egg in week one. Real down game for him. Looks involved. You drafted him relatively highly in your fantasy football drafts for a reason because he is on one of the best offense in the NFL with one of the best quarterbacks. And while he isn't the primary weapon, obviously they got A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith, and now they got DeAndre Swift, who looks amazing. Goddard is still going to have a piece of this offense. He's going to get his. On a weekly basis, he is incredibly safe. He's like wrapping a condom over your team. I know. Nick, week one, it wasn't a condom. He scored zero points. I know. But... On the season, that's barely ever going to happen. He's a safe D-net for your team week in and week out. For the other side of the ball, the Buccaneers tight end, Cade Otten, has looked solid through both of the games of the season. The Eagles' defense might be a little bit fugazi, might be a little bit fraud because of injuries, but the problem lies with starting a tight end on a team like the Bucks, And it's nothing to do with Baker because Baker has looked downright, not incredible, right? I'm not trying to really cup his balls or something, but he's looked better than 99% of people gave him credit for, right? In the offseason, I was talking up Mike Evans. People were like, there's no way he's going to be good because of Baker Mayfield. And again, I'm not trying to victory lap around like Chucky in his little fucking scooter thing or bike thing. But what I will tell you is Baker hasn't looked bad. He's looked pretty good. And the problem with Otten is that they have a lot of targets on this offense. There's a lot of mouths to feed in Tampa. They got Evans, who's been dominant 50 Shades of Grey style. They got Chris Godwin, one of the better receivers in the NFL as well. Like a great tandem of receivers, Evans and Godwin. And then they have Rashad White, who also catches a bunch of balls. And most likely weekly, all three of them are going to out-target Rashad White. So again, while he is a talented player... And while maybe if there's another injury on the team, knock on wood, Otten could elevate himself. Right now, he is better left on your bench. And most likely, he's on the waiver wire in most leagues. Final game here, Rams at Bengals. We still don't really know if Joe Shiesty, Joe Buddha, is going to be able to play in this game. My best guess is that Burrow probably shouldn't play. Could probably take a rest. You know, ice up a little. But he's probably going to end up playing anyways because he's got that so much determination, though. You know, if you know what I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about, right? He doesn't want to quit on the team. And I, I get that. So is it to his detriment? Potentially. But I assume he plays. Even so, though, Irv Smith is basically just like KDOT. And they are both solid but are buried behind elite talent. Tyler, yeah, Boyd. <laughs> Higgins, Mixon, they also have, obviously, Jamar Chase. Higby, down bad against the 49ers. Not down bad, like just a down game. But I'm not really worrying about Higby. Stafford and this Rams offense looks pretty potent. They look pretty solid. And this could be a higher scoring affair, assuming that Joey B ends up playing, get the gat, get the gat, get the gat. So thank you guys all so much for watching. If you did end up enjoying today's video, make sure you hit that subscribe button down below, as well as hitting that like button. It would help me out a ton. If you want to follow me on Twitter, please do so at NotoriousFNTSY. If you want my weekly rankings, I'll be posting those later tonight, and they'll be updated throughout the week all the way up until Sunday, or get any of your questions answered guaranteed. You can check out the Patreon for $7.50 linked in the video description or in the pinned comment. I love you guys all so much. Hope you have a great rest of your guys' day. Check out one of the videos on your screen if you haven't seen them already. Love you guys. Guys, as always, good boy!